I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and hypergig with details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. I'm Gabe Lussier, and today we're looking at the story behind one of the most polarizing summer fashions of all time. You can love it or loathe it, but the one thing you can't do is ignore it. The day was July 5th, 1946. French designer Louis Riard introduced the world to the bikini. The revealing two-piece bathing suit made its debut at a poolside fashion show at the Piscine Molitor Hotel Complex in Paris. It was modeled by Micheline Bernardini, an exotic dancer at a local casino who had agreed to wear the skimpy outfit after all the professional models in town refused. The swimsuit's unveiling was considered quite scandalous at the time which is ironic when you consider that women had already worn bikini-like garments in public nearly 2,000 years earlier. Roman mosaics from the 4th century depict ancient female athletes wearing two-piece outfits as early as 1400 BC. It's true those garments wouldn't have been worn to go swimming, but that's just because all Romans, men and women alike, always swam in the nude. By the turn of the 20th century, though, Many European cultures had gotten much more prudish about showing skin in public, especially when it came to women. 
Victorian women, for example, wore big, loose-fitting bathing costumes that left pretty much everything to the imagination. In fact, the culture was so obsessed with concealing the female form that it even devised a special vehicle to roll women into the water unseen. Known simply as a bathing machine, the device was basically a wooden cart with a little enclosed hut on top, the roof and walls of which were made from either solid wood or canvas. A female swimmer would enter the machine fully clothed and then change into her bathing costume once the curtains had been drawn. Then, the whole apparatus would be wheeled into the water by a horse, or less commonly by a human. The woman inside would then exit the machine on the seaside, walk down a few steps, and wade into the water. She was then free to enjoy the waves and fresh air, provided of course that she remained in line with her bathing machine, so that she couldn't be seen by those on the shore. Thankfully, the dress code at the beach loosened a great deal in the decades that followed. The baggy one-piece suits of old gave way to midriff-bearing two-pieces, beginning in the early 1930s. Modesty remained a top concern, though, with most bathing suits consisting of a halter top and a pair of shorts-like trunks. That design became slightly more revealing during World War II, when the rationing of fabric led to the removal of some excess material, though care was still taken to ensure a woman's navel would remain staunchly covered. Beyond that, swimsuit design didn't change much during the war especially in Europe, where many beaches and coastlines became sites of battle instead of leisure. All of that changed, though, in 1946, when Western Europeans hit the beach for their first post-war summer. It was during this time that two competing male fashion designers came up with a barely-there swimsuit to reflect the relaxed mood in Europe. First on the scene was Jacques Heim with his two-piece design known as the Atom, after the smallest particle of matter. True to its name, the Atom was billed as the world's smallest bathing suit. However, Heim wasn't able to make that claim for long, as his rival, Louis Riard, was about to debut a significantly smaller outfit. His design used just 30 inches of fabric, essentially just four small triangles and a couple of strings. Riar dubbed his creation the Bikini as a timely reference to the Bikini Atoll, the Pacific island chain where the U.S. military had begun testing nuclear weapons just a few days prior to the swimsuit's debut. It may seem bizarre that both Haim and Riar would name their swimsuits after something so devastating, but at the time, atomic energy still held a lot of promise for the public. It had already found its way into pop culture, too. Attractive women were commonly described as bombshells, and anything extreme or exciting was called atomic. Riar tapped into that cultural zeitgeist by creating a swimsuit that he described as, quote, just as explosive as the atomic bomb. Riar was preparing to debut the bikini at a popular public swimming pool in Paris when he ran into a slight snag. None of the local professional models would agree to wear such a revealing swimsuit. They worried that appearing nearly nude in public would cause a scandal and possibly ruin their careers. This led Riard to hire Micheline Bernardini, a dancer from the Casino de Paris who didn't share the model's misgivings. In a final stroke of self-promotion, Riard printed newspaper type all over the bikini that Bernardini modeled on July 5th 
this was meant as a nod to the torrent of headlines that his new swimsuit was sure to inspire. Following its debut, the bikini became an international sensation, and so did Bernardini. She reportedly received about 50,000 fan letters after the fashion show, most of which were from men. Not long after, bikinis started popping up all along the Mediterranean coast, eventually prompting Spain and Italy to ban the skimpy two-piece from their beaches. They, of course, relented a few years later once bikinis had become a staple of European shores. By the 1950s, other fashion designers had rolled out their own versions of the bikini, though Riar cautioned the public to accept no imitations. According to him, a two-piece bathing suit wasn't a true bikini unless it was small enough to be pulled through a wedding ring. Skeevy marketing aside, the bikini was a massive hit in post-war Europe. The same couldn't be said for the US, though, where it was initially dismissed as a risque trend. For example, Modern Girl magazine claimed that, quote, it is hardly necessary to waste words over the so-called bikini, since it is inconceivable that any girl with tact and decency would ever wear such a thing. That view persisted until the early 1960s, when Hollywood stars and California surfing culture finally put an end to the taboo. To mark the occasion, pop singer Brian Hyland even gave the swimsuit its very own theme song, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini. It was an itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini that she wore for the first time today. And itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini, so in the water she wanted to From that point on, the bikini has only grown in popularity, though it still has plenty of detractors, some of whom think it promotes the objectification of women which is certainly the case in some crowds. But whatever your personal convictions may be, I think we can all agree that showing a lot of skin is still preferable to using horse-drawn carts to wheel fully clothed women into the sea. Or at least, I hope we can all agree on that. These days, you can never really tell. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. (laughs) 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.